Spencer Rattler was phenomenal against the Furman Paladins on Saturday night. One, because of his play, and two, because of his new offensive coordinator. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast, and you can find my written work, as always, over on Gamecocks Digest on SI.com. Thank y'all so much, as always, for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch for your team every day. We are free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Okay, so I was wrong once again for the second week in a row in terms of how South Carolina's football game was going to play out this past Saturday. In week one, it was for all the wrong reasons. But for week two, it was for all of the right reasons. And we're going to dive into all of that on this Monday edition of Locked On Gamecocks. We're going to talk about Spencer Rattler, Dow Loggins, and how the offense performed. A lot of big-time freshmen got to see some snaps on Saturday night. And the defense... Still has some issues going on on that side of the ball. We'll touch on each and every one of those topics on today's show. But let's start off with Spencer Rattler, who continued his toward pace against the Furman Paladins on Saturday night, partly in thanks to Dow Loggins' play calling on the offensive side of the ball. Spencer Rattler, he made a lot of plays on Saturday night against the Paladins, and he did a bunch of things that we've all known about for a long time now. Things that we all knew that he could do because of the talent that he possesses. But what impressed me the most about Spencer Rattler on Saturday night was specifically how much he trusted the offensive game plan from Dow Loggins, which I'll discuss in more detail in just a minute. But early on, there was a lot of short passes and inside runs and the offense was not really pushing the football down the field. I know that that was probably something that frustrated a lot of you fans out there. Those that were both there at williams Bryce and those watching from home. Because obviously, it's one of Spencer Rattler's biggest strengths when he's basically allowed to just cut it loose and throw the football down the field on shot plays to his playmakers on this football team. And the Spencer Rattler from four or five years ago might have gotten flustered with that as well. Because it's vanilla football. Quarterbacks do not typically like vanilla football, especially when that kind of game plan somewhat goes against their DNA, what they do best. And for the first 26 minutes on Saturday, Spencer Rattler, he went along with Dow Loggins' game plan. And the thing is, it eventually opened the door for more deep passes, for more shot plays that he converted on both late in the first half and also in the third quarter. So in essence, Spencer Rattler trusted what his coach wanted to do in the first half, and eventually that trust paid off for him. That is something that I think cannot be overlooked when it comes to the growth of Spencer Rattler, not just 
as a quarterback, but as a quarterback in a pro-style-ish offense. Now, of course, for how well Spencer Rattler played against the Paladins on Saturday, he needs a coach that understands how to set him up in all of the right spots and places. And I think he's got one now in Dow Loggins. Two games into this season, I'm already sold on Dow Loggins and him being an absolute upgrade at the offensive coordinator position, which again, I'll explain in just a couple of minutes. The game plan coming into this game was quite obvious. Dow Loggins wanted to use perimeter passing plays such as RPOs, quick outs, hitches, screens, swings, you name it. He wanted to use the perimeter and also do some power run plays in the box and essentially force Furman's defense to have to make plays in space, make some one-on-one plays happen against South Carolina's athletes. It's an FBS versus FCS game, so you can understand why he would have that kind of game plan coming in. And this game plan accomplished two separate things. One, it masked some early season issues that this offensive line unit has had, particularly when it comes to pass protection on the edges. The second thing this strategy did was it kept Spencer Rattler from getting walloped and basically having to run for his life the majority of the football game like he had to against North Carolina in week one. A big reason why South Carolina, although they had their chances, just could never really get back into the game against the Tar Heels once they got down by a certain amount of points. This shows me that Dow Loggins can make week-to-week adjustments to help his unit as much as possible, which is much different than what the last guy did here in Columbia. South Carolina's last offensive coordinator, he forced his scheme onto his players for the most part, tried to put a square peg into a round hole. And even when there were some obvious issues at certain spots, seemed pretty stubborn in terms of trying to change and cater this offense more to the strengths and also trying to mask the offense's weaknesses. Dow Loggins, he does not seem to have that issue. And he used his strategy. He used his entire game plan on Saturday to both, again, mask some of these offensive issues, especially in terms of protection, but also to butter up Furman's defense for the first 25-26 minutes. Oh, these guys are just going to play five yards in a cloud of dust all night long. Just make us try to make tackles in the open field. We can do that. We're a pretty fundamentally sound defense. And then, all of a sudden, they're taking deep shots down the field to Xavier Leggett, to an Eddie Lewis. And all of a sudden, the athleticism advantage starts to show up a little bit more for the Gamecocks. So I loved what Dow Loggins did in this game. I really liked what he did in week one. But it's the fact that You could already see some subtle changes in his play calling just from week one to week two. And some might sit there and argue that the reason why Dow Loggins was so vanilla early is because it was Furman. And sure, you could make that argument to a finite degree, but I would also argue that Dow Loggins did do that because, again, he's already recognizing where there might be some problems for this offense this season. And... He is already finding solutions or trying to search for solutions as to how to combat that. Because he can't just leave his offensive tackles on islands all game long. That's already been proven. So, for those of you, the few of you I should say, 
that for some reason are already questioning Dial Loggins two games into his tenure. I think you need to go back and rewatch the Furman game. Compare it to the North Carolina game, and then come back and see if you still think the same. And if you do, uh, quite honestly, we're just not going to see eye to eye on this conversation. Because I think Dal Loggins is doing a great job considering all the circumstances that he is dealing with right now on the offensive side of the ball. And it is definitely helping out his superstar quarterback in Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler... He did a lot for this team on Saturday, and he is proving that he could be the difference maker that the program thought they were getting back in the 2021 offseason. You could actually say Spencer Rattler has become a full-blown game changer for the Gamecocks. And speaking of game changer, it's now time for your game changer of the week brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like Spencer Rattler, Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste pretty doggone good. Spencer Rattler completed 25 of his 27 passes on Saturday night for a 93% completion percentage. That was 2.2 percentage points shy of the single game record of 95% held by program legend Connor Shaw. Athletic Brewing's non-alcoholic brews are great tasting and award winning, and they beat out full strength beers in global competitions. And the best part is that you never have hangovers. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First time customers can use code LOCKED ON to get 15% off your first online order. That's code LOCKED ON, L O C K E D O N, at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Welcome back to this Monday edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day. And as always, thank you to each and every one of you everydayers for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your daily watch on YouTube or your daily listen wherever you get your audio podcast daily. Spencer Rattler was great on Saturday night, no question about that, but he wasn't the only player that stood out on the offensive side of the ball. To start off this conversation, we're going to talk about a lot of the freshmen that got to see the field, in some cases for the first time, in their careers. Lenora Sellers, we got to start off with him. He is taking over Gamecock Nation because of the plays that he made on Saturday night. Now, again, the Gamecocks were playing the Furman Paladins, and by the time Lenora Sellers came into the football game, you'd have to imagine that the Paladins at that point probably had some of their backups in the game, if not their entire second string. But Lenore Sellers showed in this game that he could do just about anything from running the football, holding onto the football and being patient, progressing through his reads, launching an absolute rocket 50, 55 plus yards down the field on a dot in the end zone to tie Sean Russell. Lenore Sellers showed on Saturday night why he is more than likely the future of this football program. I think South Carolina, to put it bluntly, they are in very good hands once Spencer Rattler eventually moves on to the NFL because Lenora Sellers, he's got a skill set and athleticism combo that we've never seen, quite frankly, in this football program. So 
Lenore Sellers, without a doubt, he was a standout in this game on Saturday night. Nicholas Harper, he might have not made the volume of plays that Lenore Sellers made, but the play that he did make was quite impressive. Let's remember, Nicholas Harper, this is his first year of his football career playing wide receiver full-time. He's not playing, you know, tight end and edge rusher. He's playing wide receiver. And he made a back shoulder touchdown grab in the red zone for South Carolina's final score of the night. I'd say that's not bad for a converted edge rusher to make a catch like that. Have the body control, the dexterity, the ability to see the ball, catch it, not have to catch it with his chest, by the way, catch it with his hands, turn around, and also have awareness to understand that he's right there near the sidelines, and he's got to get a foot down, and he does. It was quite literally textbook. So Nicholas Harper, again, this does not mean that he's going to now be a freshman All-SEC player this year at wide receiver. But what it does mean is maybe he's a bit farther along than we all realize. Maybe he doesn't need to take more time to learn the nuances of the position. But in terms of things like that, making a back shoulder grab, um, that's an advanced catch at the wide receiver position. So Nicholas Harper, it looks like he's developing quite well at his new spot. Let's go to the offensive line now. Trevon Baugh and Trevon Balade, the two guys I mainly want to talk about here. I thought Trevon Baugh performed the best out of the freshman offensive lineman on Saturday night. There are a couple things that stood out to me. One, Trevon Baugh had a really good mean streak out there. You want to see that out of your offensive lineman and multiple times playing through the whistle, pancaking guys, not afraid to get after a little bit. I like seeing that out of one of the younger offensive linemen that's currently on this roster right now. A guy that likely won't have to wait too much longer before he is starting in big games for this football team. He clearly specializes in run blocking. That is going to be Trevon Baugh's strength. I think that it is the perfect spot for him playing at right guard. And he is going to help, in my opinion, change the narrative for South Carolina when it comes to their run blocking up front. I think that he is going to definitely be a big help in that. And the most impressive part to me is Trevon Baugh, in my personal opinion, I don't think he's in the best shape he could be because he got here during the summertime. He's, I believe, 337 pounds right now, according to the fall roster. That obviously could be a little bit different now that they're a couple weeks into the season. But to put it bluntly, I feel like that he's still got a bit of baby fat that he could burn off, that he could have burned off if he was here earlier in the offseason. Point being, I thought he moved pretty doggone well, considering the fact that he is carrying 330 plus pounds, according to the roster numbers right now. So Javon Baugh, I was very impressed with him. I'm not going to sit here and say that I think he should start next week. Same deal with Tree Babalade, but I thought that he did well for his first ever college game. Let's talk about Tree Babalade real quick. The kid definitely is a good athlete. He can move quite well, especially in pass protection in terms of his kick slides. Quite frankly, he already moves better than the veterans that are in front of him when it comes to going back in pass protection. Babalade's issue right now, the thing he's got to really work on, he's got to get better with his technique. If you follow this show for a long period of time now, and you've heard me talk about Babalade before as a prospect, you would know that I've said before, his technique is where he's a bit raw. 
He's got to get a little bit better with his hand placement, especially attacking right at the numbers, getting his hands on a defender's chest plate instead of his hands being almost on the shoulder pads. You're not going to be in a good situation as an offensive lineman having your hands up that high. That's something that's correctable. That's something that can't be fixed. But again, for that reason, I'm not going to sit here and say you should just start him against Georgia. I do have a certain opinion on that, but I'll save that for later in the week. The other thing I want y'all to keep in mind with these freshmen making these plays on Saturday, this is a big deal for recruiting for South Carolina. Now, again, I know everybody's going to say, or at least some people are going to say, it happened against Furman, an FCS team. whoop they freaking do But consider the fact that there were multiple four- and five-star prospects in attendance for this game, including one Elijah Griffin, probably the most highly sought-after recruit on South Carolina's 2025 board right now. He was there at the game on Saturday night. Him getting to see a guy like Xavier McLeod go out there and get to play and also get an interception. Combine that with some of the other prospects on the other side of the ball. Guys seeing Lenore Sellers throw two touchdown passes. Nicholas Harbour going out there and making a touchdown grab. Trevon Bontree by Bellotta getting a chance to play a ton of snaps in this game. Legitimate snaps against starters from Furman's defense. Not only does it show that they're going to get an opportunity to play if they come here, but it also shows, in certain cases, that this staff can develop this talent quickly. Now, again, it was against Furman, not against an SEC team. I get that. However, perception means a lot for these recruits. And so, for these freshmen to do what they did against the Paladins two days ago, it's a huge deal for Shane Beamer and the staff, and a big-time recruiting pitch that they can use with these guys, because it backs up, it validates what they probably say to them in the sense of, hey, if you come here, we're going to give you a chance to play, and we're going to make sure that you're ready for the moment when we do put you out there. What those guys did on Saturday night now backs all that up, if that's been their message with these prospects. So, not only did the Gamecocks win on the field, they also won off the field in terms of the recruiting side of things with their victory over the Furman Paladins on Saturday night. Now, we're going to move on to the defensive side of the ball because I got some strong opinions about what I think Clayton White needs to change about this defense. And I've also got a bit of a working theory about what might be wrong with this defense. Why they might get off to such a slow start in some of these games. We're going to touch on all of that in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because... Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Might be a pretty intriguing deal considering all the issues going with Spectrum right now. The Buffalo Bills and New York Jets are going to be playing later tonight at 8.16 p.m. Eastern Time. The Bills are a two-point favorite against the Jets the money line for the Bills is at minus 130, and the money line for the Jets is at plus 110. Do you think you can win some money on the first Monday night football game of the NFL season? If so, now's the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. 
FanDuel is the official betting partner of the NFL. Welcome back to today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day in just 30 minutes. The Gamecocks defense looked good after the first three drives of the game on Saturday night, but having to make that kind of statement is still a problem, in all honesty. I said after the week one loss to North Carolina, that I didn't really know what to make of the defense's issues, that I didn't really know how to articulate what the problem could possibly be. After watching the Furman game back this weekend, I am starting to develop a bit of an idea of what I think might be wrong with this defense. Have y'all noticed how much some of these defensive players and Clayton White love to talk about keys, reading keys, essentially using a bunch of visual indicators from the offense to try and figure out what might be coming, whether it's a specific block or a specific route, or just a specific play in general. I think that these guys are overthinking everything way too much. And they're doing a lot more reading and reacting than reading and disrupting, in all honesty. To a certain extent, admittedly, defenses have to read and react. Because... If you're overly aggressive, then obviously you're going to probably give up a ton of points. The tricky part about being a defensive coordinator is finding a happy medium between being the aggressor and also knowing when you just need to play fundamentally sound. My issue with this defense is I think that, honestly, this system is overemphasizing fundamental play and not allowing these players to be the aggressor often enough. And I think that because of that, it's slowing them down mentally in terms of how they're processing everything on the football field once a play has gotten underway. Stoneplant's a great example here. Y'all have heard me talk glowingly about Stoneplant multiple times on this show. I think Stoneplant plays his heart out. I think he's a kid that could really succeed at that linebacker position. There are times where I think that it hurts him how much he is having to think through and process things that are going on in front of him instead of him just being able to just shoot to a certain area in the box and just go be Stone Bland and make a football play. Too often, I think he looks at things like motion and I think that he reads what the offensive line is doing in terms of the kind of blocks they're employing and... He's trying to match almost everything that he's seeing in front of him. And what ends up happening is at times, Stone ends up either being near where the ball carrier is going, but he's out of position, or he's just completely out of position. It's not quite as bad as it was last year, but it is still happening to a certain extent. That's just an example. I am not trying to single out Stone Blanton because he is not the only one that's doing this. I promise y'all that. But to get back to this defense... There are three things that I want to see Clayton White do with this scheme. One, I want to see Clayton White be more aggressive on early downs. This base nickel defense, this 4-2-5 defense, I don't have an issue running that kind of scheme. I don't have an issue with him employing that kind of scheme. But I think that Clayton White has got to start being more aggressive when it comes to these early downs, first down and second down, especially when you get a look 
that tells you that more than likely a run is coming. This idea of the defensive line, again, reading and reacting, playing almost perfectly, and the linebackers having to basically see through all the traffic, sift through all the visual debris that's in front of them to try to figure out where the ball carrier is, whether it's the running back, or it's the quarterback, or it's a play action, you get my point. It sounds like a lot because it honestly is a lot. When you're basically making everybody kind of sit back and try to wait and analyze everything that's happening. I think that he needs to start sending Debo Williams and Stone Bland on some more blitzes. Just crash them into a gap on early downs. You're not going to always make the play, okay? You're going to take chances. That means sometimes you're going to get burned. But you got to create more negative plays. Four tackles for loss against Furman, that's not good enough. Be more aggressive on early downs. Put them behind the sticks. It will help your pass rush. It will help your younger secondary. I want to see Clayton White do that a little bit more. Here's another thing I'd like to see him do. Use some more twists and stunts up front on the defensive line and mix maybe a linebacker blitz in there when it is third and long, when it's an obvious passing down and you want to send some pressure. Because here's what I'm seeing. Clay White is either lining up six guys on the line of scrimmage and then only sending four and having two guys drop back in coverage or... He does every once in a while send maybe five or six guys. They all end up going after the quarterback. But they all just basically rush into the gap that they're already shaded over. In essence, you're not catching anybody by surprise. You're not. All the offensive line and quarterback have to do is adjust to the numbers game that you might play when you disguise a blitz. Or when you act like you're going to blitz, but you actually end up rushing four. I think you got to be more creative than that. Brian Thomas Jr. is a great example here. He is an athletic freak at edge rusher. He is fast as grease lightning. Have him fake like he's going to rush on the outside, but pivot and go after the guard. I promise you, if Brian Thomas Jr. got used on that kind of stunt more often, he would get a lot more sacks. He'd get a lot more tackles for loss. Jordan Strine, he's coming off a knee injury. Send some different looks to help free him up a little bit. Give him a one-on-one on the guard. Send Debo Williams or Stone Blanton crashing at the center so the center cannot help either guard if they get into trouble. Do something like that on obvious passing downs so that way you're varying up your blitzes. And it's not always just the same two different looks. Maybe it's just me watching back the Furman game and I'm drawing too many conclusions But I feel like, in my opinion, that that's something that could be enhanced a little bit more. One last thing, and this one is specifically from the Furman game. I'm not going to lie. The defense has got to work on defending tunnel screens better. Furman ran about six or seven tunnel screens on Saturday night. And I'm pretty sure every single one of them, except for like one, got like eight, nine yards. And probably over half of them helped them extend a drive on third down. Obviously, that's being a bit nitpicky. It is just one play concept. But the thing is, that is fundamental stuff right there. Reading how an offensive line is blocking you, or not blocking you in this case. Calling out that a screen pass is coming. And everybody stopping, turning around, and rallying to the football. That is simple, like, defense 110 stuff there. That should not be happening. And against a team like Georgia, 
I can promise you the Bulldogs, if they got that in their playbook, they will use that a ton this weekend. And they'll see if you've adjusted, if you've worked on in practice. That's why they've won two straight national titles, because they do stuff like that. Defensive standouts. I will name a few real quick because it was not all bad. TJ Sanders. I thought TJ Sanders played good on Saturday night. I noticed that he got a bunch of snaps with the starting defensive line. Had some times where he kind of swapped out with Tonka Hemingway. I'm not trying to speculate or anything like that. I don't think there's anything to read into with that. But he was essentially sort of the fifth man off the bench, if you will, with this defensive line. And the way he played, I think he's earned it. The mentality he's carrying on the football field and the way that he carried himself in the postgame presser when talking to the media, I really think that TJ Sanders, he could be the breakout player in this defensive front this year. I just like what he's doing right now. And with his athleticism and his willingness to attack the quarterback, how much he seems like he's taking on the mentality of his new coach and Travion Robertson, I just, I like what I'm seeing from him right now. Debo Williams. Debo Williams is a linebacker that every team needs on their roster. The guy just plays his heart out, but the thing is, he's not all heart. He also understands the game so much better now than he did two years ago. He's a good athlete. He can absolutely just bomb rush you through the offensive line and clobber you in the backfield. And he can also, again, stop, rally, and pursue sideline to sideline or come back and stop you from getting a first down. Debo Williams makes a bunch of plays for this defense, but he also does a bunch of little things that maybe sometimes don't get recognized enough. So I want to recognize that on today's show because I'm seeing it. And I think that he really and truthfully, he's helping this linebacker core take a step forward this year. Jalen Kilgore, last standout that I'll throw out there. South Carolina, thank gosh they found him in the 2023 recruiting cycle. This kid was a steal. This kid's going to be a stud. Shane Beamer actually called him a stud during his Sunday teleconference call with the media. If he was not on this roster, this secondary would be in a lot more trouble with Nick Emanuele out right now. But because they got Jalen Kilgore, there's very little drop-off, if any. And that's scary. That safety position, throwing Kelvin Hunter for next year, whoo boy. So Jalen Kilgore, another great performance on Saturday night. He might have even been the leading tackler for the team. Don't know that off the top of my head, but point being, phenomenal job, along with Debo Williams and TJ Sanders. So with that being said, that's going to do it for today's show of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show, as always. What were y'all's thoughts on the game? How did you think Spencer Allen performed? What did you think of Dal Loggins' performance as the offensive play caller? And who were some of the standouts that you noticed throughout the game, both on offense and defense? What do you think about the defense continuing to get off to slow starts in these games? What kind of solutions would you propose? Let me know all of your thoughts down below in the comments section if you watch today's show on YouTube or shoot me a direct message on Twitter at A-Line underscore SC if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app. Once again, thank y'all so much for tuning in as always. Have a great rest of your Monday and a fantastic start to the work week. And I'll be sure to catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast.